questions are answered. Shanda Keep God praise tonight. Go ahead and give him praise. Give him thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. <laughs> With joy we draw water from the wells of salvation. Giving thanks unto the Father. Giving thanks unto the Father. Legro Godozo Berekatina Kakali Nemanga. Egelide Baboro Kotusekelide Babaya. Engebo Jekele de Babra Gadaba Zokolo de Brona Katone Kelia. We have access. We have access by the Spirit of God into the deep things of God. Legro Dozokele de Baba. The eyes of your understanding flood with light, your mind illuminated. Le grodo zubre ketina kelina mamambo. Le brona kando golo do bazakelene magadiga daga dogo lodo boro kotonaka. Engebo jekele de baba. Le brozakaline manga. Agelina manakatone kelina manakinde. Engeboro kote keninka kala na maja. Egele de baba. Le goroto sikele de baba. Engelene mosoko lodo boro kotune kelina mahaha. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb of God. Father, we praise and bless and honor and we magnify the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. And we thank you that tonight we bow our knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in, in heaven and on earth is named. And we thank you Lord that tonight you grant unto us. According to the riches of your glory. To be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. That Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. We are rooted and grounded in the love of God. And I decree that tonight everyone under the sound of my voice. Understanding is granted you by the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. Bodies and yokes are destroyed. And I decree that your people are built up, equipped, edified. And through the course of this year we walk in the light. We walk in the will, the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. We give you praise for the blessing tonight. In Jesus precious name. And every believer sees a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Are we excited to be in the fellowship tonight? Can we celebrate our fellowship together? Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, I tell you, friends, I tell you, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Are you glad tonight? 
Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self tonight. We want to welcome everybody that is connected by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Oh my goodness, what a joy to know that we can flood the earth within seconds with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. Social media gives us an opportunity to reach half of the world, if not, if not, you know, 75% of the whole world, both on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We've been having quite some crazy but very powerful tweets in the last few days. I want to encourage every one of you, if you are not on Twitter, go and register a Twitter account quickly and let that Twitter account be dedicated to the spread of the gospel. This year, we're going to do much more for the kingdom. So make sure you register a Twitter. And if you don't know how to tweet, just retweet whatever we are tweeting. Just be retweeting. That's all you need to do. Just be retweeting. The Lord gave the word and great is the company of those that publish it. You are part of that company. Okay, so make sure you retweet. Make sure you share our messages on Facebook. You know, like the YouTube, our YouTube channel, Abel Damina Ministries International. When you subscribe to the channel, like the videos. And of course, on, social, on Facebook, make sure you also like the videos of each service. And engage in the course of teaching. Engage in the course of the service. You know, you know, as we teach things that edify you, things that bless you, engage, type them out, and let's just make sure we create, we create a fellowship right there online. And I want to thank those of you that have been dedicated to that course. And I observe there's a brother online, you know, Pastor Valerie, one of our pastors in Germany. He's always translating the message in German. And there's another sister, Sabina, from Cameroon. She's also translating it in French as I'm teaching. What a great service you guys are doing to the body of Christ. We love you. And we wanted to make sure everybody gets connected to what we're doing all over the world. Let me also welcome the radio audience in Aquaibam Connected. Whichever radio station you're hearing, the sound of my voice. We're glad to have all of you connected. Thank you for being a part of our church family. Invite a friend, a loved one. Ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. And then also, all the citizens all over the world, this is our month of preparation, equipping and eating for the journey that is ahead. They say we'll do much more for the glory and for the honor of Jesus Christ. We'll be looking at a very powerful series and we want to shoot tonight, but I'm so glad to see Pastor Philemon Mewa as the pastor's Calabar campus. Amen. We're glad to see you, man. Happy New Year. I'm sure your family and everybody is good. Praise God. All right. In Christ, realities. In Christ, realities. Second Peter chapter five. Chapter 3, verse number 15. 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse number 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Next verse. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. We said that that word wisdom is given to him, is an insight given by the spirit. An insight given by the spirit. It's a Christ-given insight. A Christ-given insight. Then why did he pray the efficient prayer? In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16, put it up for me. Ephesians 1 16 and we read to 18. Since not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. No doubt that prayer, whatever that prayer, you know, that he wrote there was, is a prayer on what the, you know, what, what, what the Holy Spirit had already taught him. Those prayers in Ephesians, in Colossians, in Philippians, they are not personal prayers. They are prayers so that the insight he has received by the Holy Spirit, you will come to an understanding of that insight. He uses the word Sophia too. You know, Sophia. That God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Or the wisdom of the spirit. Which is revelation of him. That's another way to reconstruct that place. The wisdom of the spirit. Which is the knowledge of him. The wisdom of the spirit. That's another way to reconstruct that place. And you're still saying the same thing. Or the wisdom of the spirit. Which is the revelation of him. The insight of that spirit. That prayer is for your mind to align with the mind of Christ in Paul's teachings. For your mind to align with the mind of Christ in Paul's teaching. And so we have seen that in Jesus' instruction in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. Put it up again Matthew chapter 28 verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go and make students or learners of all nations. We looked at the word didache. We looked at the word didasco, we did look at the word didascalia, and we looked at the word didascolos. I hope you remember that. They are all together, but they have different functions that they mean. Now, whenever you see didascalia, which is doctrine, most of the times it is a settled belief. Didascalia, a settled belief, or a system of belief, or a system of thinking. A settled belief, a system of belief or a system of thinking is the word didascalia. And in Matthew chapter 15 verse number 9. Matthew chapter 15 verse number 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The word doctrines. That means they are teaching something or they are instructing a system of belief. They are instructing a system of belief. That scripture is repeated again in Mark chapter 7 verse 7. Mark chapter 7 verse 7. Curiously, in Jesus' use of words, he uses the word didache more than he uses the word doctrine. You know, in Jesus' use of words. He uses the word didache, a mode of explanation, more than the word doctrine, which is explanation. And, and he also uses didascolos. It's important to note that he is particular more with the kind of explanation than the explanation itself. Please pay attention. Jesus is more particular 
about the kind of explanation more than the explanation itself. And you know, all of you in this church are ministers of the gospel and it's important for me to equip you, especially in this year that we're committed to a lot of work, a lot of ministry, a lot of teaching, a lot of preaching, a lot of establishing of churches and raising disciples. You must understand the didache of the gospel. Jesus is more interested in the mode of explanation than the explanation itself. That's why he used more of didache in his teaching than didascalia. Now, <clears throat> so Jesus wasn't asking his disciples to just teach. He was asking them to, be, to particularly explain in a way. Explain the scriptures in a way because that will be the truth of it. So just notice that he was more particular about how it is taught than just teaching. How the scriptures are taught than the teaching itself. Let's 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 look at more. In Romans chapter 12, verse 7, Brother Paul talks about he that teacheth. Romans 12, 7. He that teacheth. But in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning. That we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. They were written for our learning. That word again is the word doctrine. They were written for our doctrine, our learning, or our explanation. I see people trying to tie it into learning new things from the Old Testament. They will say, well, the Bible says whatever things were written aforetime, they were written for our learning. And then they now navigate their way and go to the Old Testament looking for new things that were not part of the apostolic didache. And when you do that, you're actually trying to be dubious or trying to be funny. But you just need to read verse 3 and verse 5 and 6 of that same Romans. Then he zeroes in what learning he was talking about. Look at it again. Romans chapter 15 verse number 3. Then we look at 5 and 6. Then we come back to 4. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Speaking of Christ. Now, the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So whatever was written aforetime were according to Christ Jesus. It was still Christ-centered. Look at the next verse, verse 6. Verse 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So having told you what it is before and after, verse 4 now says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime concerning the Christ, they were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures may have hope. So you know that whatever he's talking about, their brother Paul, is about Jesus Christ. So you won't think it means let's go and learn how to rob your father-in-law like Jacob. Let's go and learn the tricks of Jacob and use it to rob your father-in-law. Now that's all he's talking about. It is documented there, but that is not the lesson of that documentation. And then also, you hear some people say, David knew how to turn pressure to power. How to turn pressure to power. When Goliath came, it's an opportunity. You know, you hear people say things like that. People's fears can be your opportunity. 
especially motivational teachers who just you know want to want to want to use teach you how to oppress others but that's not the gospel of christ you know without david's story you can use bill gates story or any other businessman in africa to to teach business skills and and business um business um, expertise you don't need the bible to do that because the bible has a kerugma and a keruso the bible has its bias of what it seeks to communicate in all of the 66 books someone was teaching 316 degree leadership i mean 360 degree leadership he said jesus operated like that because he said jesus had a crowd then he had 70 then he had 12 then he had three then he had himself he's trying to introduce class into leadership and he said jesus taught like that all of those are people just looking for ways to corrupt the integrity of the gospel anyway from our learning our doctrine or our instruction is christ jesus so it's important to notice that of course brother paul uses that word doctrine a lot in colossians chapter 2 verse 12 he talks about the doctrines of men colossians chapter 2 verse 12 in ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 brother paul talks about every wind of doctrine every wind of doctrine that is a settled belief system every wind of doctrine a settled belief system this goes with any belief system that you have found it goes with any belief system that you have found you must ask what is the didache what is the mode of explanation how is it explained what is the didache because that is what is core in explaining things what is core in explaining things is the didache was there a literal use of a figurative expression in that context you want to ask such questions was there a literal use of a figurative expression was there an over elaborate use of a parable those are the kind of questions you seek to answer in the course of examining the text of scripture you need to know what made this conclusion so okay and then fundamentally how did christ explain things like these fundamentally how did christ explain things like these i was very surprised when someone i thought should know better was saying that any nation that fights israel god will fight them back i was very surprised i was also surprised at another preacher that i thought you know better when he said why nigeria is blessed is that some years ago babangida led nigeria to reconcile with israel so because nigeria reconciled with israel god blessed nigeria and then after saying those kind of statements they will now say they are christocentric teachers teaching in christ through christ by christ and then christocentric preachers that are teaching in christ through christ by christ are saying that because nigeria is not angry with israel that is why god is blessing nigeria i said why he said because they are the covenant people of god what what so we want to really examine brother paul's israel we want to look at paul's 
Israel. Okay, how Jesus explained it. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, he said a belief system. Put it up, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 10. We're going to read quite a number of scriptures, but they're good for your health. For homongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for pejored persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, who gynodidascalia, sound doctrine, alright, a belief system. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, he talked about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Then in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 6, he talks about a good minister of Christ. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up, nourished up, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, a belief system or a system of belief whereunto thou hast attained. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 13. He said, till I come, give attendance. 4.13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. He now said in verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, Thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear you. If you stay with this system of belief, you will save yourself and you will save those that hear you. First Timothy 5.17, he says, Those that labor or labor in word and in doctrine, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and in doctrine. I know the choir people like labor. That's why I'm using it for you. Then First Timothy chapter 6 verse 1 and verse 3. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the man of God and his doctrine and his system of beliefs be not blasphemed. Look at verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to hold some words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, the system of belief, which is according to godliness. Alright, so a system of beliefs or doctrine or, you know, explanation of scripture. In Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10, brother Paul now says to Timothy, follow my doctrine. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Follow my doctrine. Second Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for a system of beliefs. And within that system of belief, you will have reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. If I'm teaching good, can I have a good amen? Now, <clears throat> so... What it means is that his use of doctrine so far is referring to how the Old Testament is preached. He's making reference in all of these scriptures we just read on doctrine as to how the Old Testament is preached or the Old Testament is taught. So if you are looking for doctrines of devils, it is still a system of beliefs. Doctrine of devils. 
is a communication of a system of beliefs. If you are looking for doctrines and commandments of men, it's the same system of beliefs. So it will be the doctrine of the Old Testament that Brother Paul is making reference to when addressing a bishop of repute by the name Timothy, a son of his, in the ministry. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 3, Brother Paul now speaking to Timothy, he says to him, For the time shall come or will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own laws shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They will no longer endure wholesome, hogaino, healthy, wholesome, healthy interpretation of the Old Testament. They shall no longer endure the wholesome, healthy interpretation of the Old Testament. Titus chapter 1 verse 9, you can read at home, still talking about doctrine to Pastor Titus. Titus chapter 1 verse 9, Titus chapter 2 verse 1. Titus chapter 2 verse 7. Titus chapter 2 verse 10. I go over it again. Titus chapter 1 verse 9. Titus chapter 2 verse 1. Titus chapter 2 verse 7. And Titus chapter 2 verse 10. So doctrine therefore refers to a systematic belief system. A systemic belief system. So, to examine a doctrine, there is something to look at. To examine a doctrine or a belief system, you look at the didache. That's the way to examine a doctrine. You look at the didache or the mode of explanation. You can tell a doctrine of devils when you look at the didache. The mode of communicating that doctrine is what reveals that it is a doctrine of devils. For example, when someone says, but Jesus asks his disciples to have what, to, to, to live what they are doing and follow him. <laughs> to live what they are doing and follow him. And I said to the person, but Jesus never said they should abandon everything and follow him. Jesus never said so. You know, there's a way, especially when a system of thinking has been around for a long time, you know, it becomes uh, a, a comfort zone or it becomes a default setting. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, abandon everything you're doing and follow me. He just simply said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me doesn't mean abandon everything. It doesn't mean that. And that's why a lot of preachers got this, this notion that for you to do the work of ministry, you must resign from everything and abandon yourself in a full-time call of God. But that's not Bible teaching. Then somebody says to me, but can God call you and ask you to abandon everything to follow him? Yes, God can give you an instruction, but that has to be specifically between you and God to leave your job. But that job now becomes a consecration for the work of ministry. But that has to strictly be by divine instruction. See? But in the written word of God, he never told them to abandon. Luke was a medical doctor and didn't stop his practice because he was doing ministry. Matthew was a tax collector. He never stopped tax collecting because he was doing ministry. Peter was a fisherman. He never stopped fishermaning if there's English like that. <laughs> because he's doing the work of ministry. I'm teaching good. 
You just added abandon. It was not in the Bible. You read your thoughts or you read what is commonly accepted into the text of scripture. And, and, and I asked the person, but afterward, did Peter go back to his fish business? He said, yes. So that means it was not abandoned. That means it was not abandoned. That means he took care of it very well. That's why after a number of months or years, he still went back and the fishing business was still doing well. Which means the profit that was coming from the business was going to Peter's pocket. And means Peter was using the income of the business to pay the staff and take the profit to help himself in the pursuit of his divine assignment. Then I now say to the person, but did Jesus also talk about leave your father, leave your mother, leave your brother, leave your sisters and follow me? He said yes. And then I asked him, but did they go back to their father, mother, brother, sister and wife? He said yes. So he never asked them that he said follow me doesn't mean abandon. It doesn't mean abandon. And a lot of preachers in the ministry are suffering today because they stopped the business, stopped the career, stopped their wives in in the bid to answer the call of God. And the call they answered has not been called enough to take care of them. And they are suffering with their families. And it makes it look like the call of God is a punishment from heaven. The call of God is a call to dignity and honor. When God calls you, he places his honor on you. No man taketh this honor to himself. The call of God is a call to, 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 to a life of envy, an enviable life. Because you are wearing on you the honor of God as a co-laborer. As a co-laborer with God. You and God are co-laboring together. Nobody can be on course with God and, and be experiencing uh, you know, a, a shame and embarrassment. No. God is a responsible father. Is he not responsible? He gives your father pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yeah. God wants you to have the good life. It is his will. He enjoys watching you enjoy all that redemption has provided. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. So you see sometimes you need to look at how the submission of scripture was made. On what basis and you know, and many times the basis is similar to the miracle money submission. How many of you have heard about the miracle money submission? The entire, the entire theology about the miracle money submission is from just a, 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 a statement of scripture that is not doctrinal, it's not doctrinal, and has, has no doctrinal coloration. Because it was just one instance and it was not even taught as a doctrine. It was stated as an eyewitness account. It was not taught as a doctrine. It has no doctrinal coloration. No apostle talked about it. No apostle in the epistle made reference to it. So that means it's not part of apostolic teaching. It was not a didache of the apostles. It was a narration from an eyewitness account. And maybe the guy giving the eyewitness account didn't see the full details to give you the narration. So what he just saw, he just mentioned in passing. Now you take that as a practice which leads to error. It leads to error. Even the ones that had follow-up, there was still an explanation by Jesus. When he multiplied the bread and the fish, he now gave up a follow-up instruction. Eat my flesh. And drink my blood. That means that multiplication was done to point you to something that is more eternal. That's why no matter how many times you came to eat, you were never satisfied eternally. 
You are satisfied temporarily. That's why you came back the next time. But when you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will never be hungry. So he, that, 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 that Jesus' miracle was a narration to point to something else. I'm teaching good here. Please pay attention. Pay attention. So it's a question of how do you arrive at that explanation? How do you arrive at that explanation? So to look at how do I fault a doctrine of devils, I look at the didache. It is the didache that exposes a doctrine to be a doctrine of devil. The moment someone said, don't eat this, don't eat that, it means he lost Christ's explanation. He has missed Christ's explanation. Once he brings everything down to eating, don't eat this, don't eat that, he has missed the explanation of Christ. Which implies, therefore, that Christ never taught those things literally. Christ never taught those things literally. Neither did Moses. Okay? Neither did Moses. Because Moses would tell you, the reason why I use my mode or my, my didache in communication was because of the hardness of their hearts. You know, and so it's a case of how did they arrive at this? Moses had to use physical things to describe things to them because of the condition of their hearts. If I'm teaching, can I have a good amen? Look at the issue of covering of hair. What is the explanation behind it? What is the explanation behind the covering of hair? Someone said, well, you cover your hair so that you submit to the angels. <laughs> angels? So what about in my house when my hair is not covered? And what about in my office? A woman does not cover her hair day and night. There are times you remove even the wig so you can have fresh air. Because the wig is a barrier to fresh air. What are you talking about? I have four women in my house and you don't know that I should know about wigs. Neither am I saying they wear wigs. And neither am I saying they don't wear wigs. <laughs> you have to remove it sometimes and have some fresh air. Why are you laughing too much there now? Don't remind me something. A lady came for prayers. I held her hair. I thought I was holding the hair. Then the spirit moved her. And as the spirit moved her, I was trying to remove my hand and something was following my hand. So I said, no, follow me not. It's human beings that should follow me so I can make them, not this one. So I used style and push it back and try to sit it, but it twisted. I said, Lord, have mercy here. <laughs> it's Benny in that was laying out on somebody, and the woman just fell, and the wig remained in his hand. <laughs> and he said, bring her back, bring her back. <laughs> anyway, let's proceed. So, what is the explanation behind the covering of hair? Okay? You, you've got to find out when you read. So, you know, how did they arrive at that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that's where it is. So the doctrine can be system, systemic, yet the explanation can be faulty. The doctrine can be systemic, but the explanation can be faulty. So there is an explanation that Jesus has done. So look at the issue of Israel. Question, who is Israel? Now in Matthew chapter 1, you are about to see why Paul 
was to be hanged. Why they stone Paul? Why did they want money to hang Paul? Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She shall bring forth a son. Pay attention please. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people. On the line his people. He shall save his, his people from their sin. That will naturally make you to think he will save Israel. Or he will save Israel. Prophecies that came afterwards, if you look at Luke chapter 1 verse 69 to 79, you can read at home. Zechariah, he mentioned our fathers. He mentioned tender mercies. Then he mentioned to give light to them in darkness. The prophecy of Zechariah's. In Luke 1, 69 to 79, he mentions our fathers, he mentions tender mercies, and then he also mentions to give light to them in darkness. He moved from Israel and now started talking about spiritual things. Please don't miss that narrative. He moves from Israel and begins to talk about spiritual things. Light, darkness, tender mercies. So already from that submission in itself, the submission made by the prophecy, he switched from the literal to the spiritual. He switched from the literal to the spiritual. That is Zechariah's prophecy. There was a switch in that prophecy. Right in the prophecy. When he said Israel, and then he's talking about light. He's talking about darkness. You wonder, where is the light and the darkness in talking about Israel? He identifies a spiritual death. Zechariah identifies a spiritual death. In John chapter 1 verse 11. Put it up for me. John chapter 1 verse number 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Take note of his own. He shall save his people. His own. The word idios in the Greek used for family. Idios. Then John chapter 1 verse 10. John chapter 1 verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. The world did not know him. He came to the cosmos. That means the world there has a relationship with his own. Okay? Because verse 10 and 11 are explaining one another. So the world has a relationship with he came unto his own. So the key question is, Jesus had interpreted, you know, temple as his resurrection. So did Jesus interpret Israel? Because that's very big for Jewish people. Did Jesus interpret Israel? I mean... The nation of Israel. Did Jesus interpret the nation of Israel? Well, in Matthew chapter 8, some things Jesus said when the centurion called upon him to come and heal his servant. Look at that Matthew chapter 8 verse number 10. Pay attention. Matthew chapter 8 verse number 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. If your Bible was mine, underline, not in Israel. Not in 
Israel. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Look at how. If you know what happened to Paul, you will know how Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke in very careful terms. <laughs> he spoke in, because if you know what happened to Paul, you will understand why Jesus is speaking in very careful terms. He says, children of the kingdom. Then he mentions those that will come from the east and from the west. Then he mentions the children of Abraham. Not being this Israel. Of course, he said that among his disciples, and you know the centurion would not struggle with, you know, with that understanding because the centurion is not a Jew after all. He said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And that's important. See the Matthew 15, the Matthew 15 account. When you hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, listen very well. Anytime you hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you need to pay close attention. Because that phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is a Christ phrase. Is a Christ's phrase. Is a phrase of Christ's resurrection. A phrase of Christ's resurrection. What is said, don't you know he is the God of the living and not of the dead? It has to do with his resurrection. And we will get to that in a few minutes and we read that scripture. Then you will understand everything I've said in the last 30 to 40 seconds. In that resurrection, what you will see is, you will see people from the west, you will see people from the east found in Christ. In that resurrection, you will see people from the west, you will see people from the east found in Christ. In Matthew 15, that woman, and this is a very tricky one, a woman of Canaan, Matthew 15, 24, put it up for me, Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep. Take note of lost sheep of the house of Israel. Take note of lost sheep, then take note of house of Israel. But to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, this is a Calvinist delight. If you know about Calvinism, this is their delight. <laughs> it says, you are sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Key things there. Number one, sheep. Sheep. Sheep is something similar to the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Shepherd of the sheep. Notice what he says. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then the woman says, Lord help me. Jesus said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. It's an Old Testament statement. A phrase for those that are not in the covenant. Or a phrase for those that are non-Jews. They were called dogs in the Old Testament. Then she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs. The dogs eat of the crumbs. Look at verse 25 of that Matthew chapter 15. 
Matthew 15, 25. Then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. Why is he saying that these two instances are faith? The centurion and this Canaanite. Why did Jesus call their action faith? Because both of the woman and the centurion, they found their place in the promise of Abraham. That is why Jesus called it faith. The centurion found his place. The woman, even though she was called a dog, still found her place because she said, even the crumbs. And Jesus said, no, this is faith. Now, why the phrase, the lost sheep of Israel? Like there is a select people or like there is a bunch or a group that is selected. In, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10, he says the same thing. Matthew 6 verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Okay? Now, look at Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Inwardly they are ravening wolves. He mentions wolves in sheep clothing. That is figurative. Wolves in sheep clothing. Matthew 9, 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As sheep. So that's something he uses very often. As sheep having no shepherd. There's Matthew 18, 12. You can read at home. And Matthew 12, 11. Matthew 12, 11. So look at a parable in Matthew 25, 32. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations. That's a parable. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. Next verse. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now that's a parable. But there's something in that parable. So he mentions the goats and he mentions the sheep. Goat there is a word that employs the word epiphron in the Greek. Okay? Look at it in Matthew 26, 31. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. So it appears, sheep is the one that is saved. Goat is the one that is not saved. Now, there's another illustration for the sheep. In, in John chapter 10, where he brings to bear that if Israel as a nation was that sheep, then he wouldn't have seen goats along with them. 
if when he talked about sheep, he was referring to the nation of Israel, then he wouldn't have seen goats. That's what it brings to bear. In sending them to the lost sheep, he said, those who don't accept you, it will be worse for them than for Sodom and Gomorrah. So he makes a distinction as well. So which means at no point did he call Israel his sheep. At no point. Please follow me. There's an argument I'm dealing with here. Pay attention. He didn't identify those who believe in Israel as his sheep. But he never called Israel a sheep. See that? He never called for once Israel a sheep. And he identified those who believe. He identified those who believe inside Israel as sheep. But he never referred to Israel as sheep. Did you get that? He identified those who believe in Israel as sheep. But he never called Israel a sheep. Look at John chapter 10 verse 1. A parable Jesus gave. John 10 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. That's a parable. Verse 6. Verse 6 of the same chapter. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. They didn't understand what he was saying. Pay attention now. Verse 7 Verse 7, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11 now. Pay attention. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So the sheep of Christ must be after his resurrection. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So there will be no sheep until after resurrection. The sheep of Christ can only be known after resurrection. Do you, can you see the didache there? You can see the didache. Okay. So he becomes a shepherd by death. He becomes a shepherd of the sheep by resurrection. He becomes a shepherd by death and he becomes a shepherd of the sheep by resurrection. Look at verse 12 of John chapter 10. Verse number 12. And, uh, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, coming, and liveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Are you following? 
which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Hmm. So did Jesus ever call Israel a sheep? Huh? No. He never did. That shepherd of Israel, he is reworking what it means in the explanations we are seeing now. He is reworking what it means. That is, it's not the shepherd of a nation called Israel. He is a shepherd of Israel, not doubt. But what Israel? He is the shepherd of an is of Israel, no doubt. But which Israel? He just told you that Israel or that sheep will be the sheep of his what? Resurrection. Because the good shepherd will do what? Lay down his life for the sheep. So he will only be able to put the sheep together when? After resurrection. He is reworking their thinking. He is reworking the thinking of the Jews. Never to see themselves as the sheep. So he reworks it around his death again. Of course, if you read other places, Acts chapter 8 verse 32, where Isaiah was saying, he was led like a sheep to his shearers. <laughs> he was led, Acts 8 32, the reference was Isaiah 53 7. He was led... Acts 8.32 The reference was Isaiah 53.7 He was led like a sheep to his shearers. Interestingly, the previous verse says All we like sheep have gone astray. Then he now says He was led as a sheep to his shearers. We, all we like sheep. Then he also was led like a sheep to his shearers. So that means in the use of sheep and shepherd and sheepfold, in the use of sheep, shepherd, and sheepfold, terms, they are terms on identification. Sheep, shepherd, sheepfold. Terms of identification, a fact of Isaiah's prophecy. That is, this shepherd will be seen also as a sheep and lay down his life. This shepherd will be seen also as a sheep and he will lay down his life. That's what he was quoting in Isaiah 53, 5 to 6. Isaiah 53, 5 to 6. In 1 Peter, pay attention, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls talking about Jesus. Hebrews 13, 20. He is called that great shepherd of the sheep. That great shepherd. The God of peace, 
that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So why use the word lost sheep? Because that's what we've been working on since these few minutes. The word lost there is the Greek word apolumi. Apo, A-P-O-L-L-U-M-I. Apolumi is quite, is, is a quiet statement. Or quite a statement. It's quite a statement. It means which should perish. Apolumi. Which should perish. Or that which has perished. Okay. <laughs> which should perish. Or that which has perished. We must explore it. So, question. Is he saying that which should perish or that which has perished? Because we have to explore it. Eh? The lost sheep. Is it that which should perish or that which has perished? Now, it is used either for what has happened or what should happen. Apolumi. So, in that Matthew 15, Pay attention now. When that woman said, Look, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall. Is there anybody in the house here or online that can explain to me what that woman just did? Give me a parable that explains what that woman just did. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. There's a parable of Jesus that explains the action of that woman. Huh? No. Let me not stretch you too far. Luke chapter 18. The publican. The publican. Who fell on his face. And he said, I'm a sinner. The dogs eat the crumbs. And the man went home. With his sins forgiven. Jesus called the debasement. He calls it justification. That debasement. And that's exactly what this woman did. Yeah, Lord, I'm a dog. I'm not claiming any right. I'm a dog. If you say I'm a dog, I must be a dog. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. What? What? What faith? What an understanding. What an understanding. If it's bread I'm looking for, and I'm not fit to eat bread from the table, I don't need a full loaf. Because the crumbs that fall from the table, whatever is in the bread is in the crumbs. If there's flour in the bread, there's flour in the crumbs. If there's salt in the bread, there's salt in the crumbs. If there's butter in the bread, there's butter. So whatever the bread can do, the crumbs will do. Jesus said, What? Who taught you this? I've not seen this kind of faith. No, not in Israel. That debasement, Jesus called it faith, and that is what brought justification even to the publican who fell down and said, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I'm not worthy. I need a propitiation. I need an animal to die in my place. Now, so you can call her humility faith. Now the clearest of how he reworked it. Here you know he's bringing it to their mind. Jesus is reworking a lot of narratives from the Old Testament. Of course I told you at the table when he told them 
This is my body. How many of you remember? That's what we finished last night. This is my body that is broken for you. This is my blood shed for the remission of sins. You remember that? <laughs> my blood. The moment he said that, my blood which is shed for the remission of sins of many. The people sitting in that audience understood. They understood he was not asking them to start arranging communion service. Because he moved the narrative from the literal to the spiritual. Remember, he is reworking their thinking. He's bringing repentance. He moved the narrative from the literal because the cup carrying that Rabina cannot, cannot forgive the sins of many. He said, this is it. Don't forget when he said, this is my blood, he has not even died. You know? He had not even died. When he said, this is my body broken, his body was still intact. Which means he's reworking their thinking to live the literal and focus on the spiritual. I'm teaching good tonight. They got in their mind of many means to them beyond that nation. Of many means... It's not just restricted to Israel. It's not just restricted to the nation that came out of Egypt. So in John chapter 4, he meets a Samaritan woman. Are you still in the building? And if you know the history of Samaritans, and I'm not about to go into that because I've taught that before, the Samaritans are not seen as the nation of Israel. They are not. Some have called them names. But one fact is this. By practice and by a didache, they don't deal at all. Samaritans and Jews have nothing in common. So when Jesus saw this woman at Sika, John 4, 5. Now don't lose the discussion. John chapter 4, verse number 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sika, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 9. Don't lose the discussion. John 4, 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, accept drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings. Underline dealings. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The word dealings there is the word Sukumai in the Greek. It means they don't relate. They don't relate. It means they don't affect one another. They don't relate. They don't affect one another. Wow. Look at verse 9 again. The word Jews. For the Jews have no dealings. Is the word Laodias in the Greek. L-O-U-D-A-I-S. Laodias taken from Judah. Laudias, L-O-U-D-A-I-S for those writing. And we will see all of that relevance in a bit. Jesus now said, if you knew the gift of God, look at the discussion. The word gift of God, he uses the word doron. That which is given to a beggar without condition. Doron. 
that which is given to a beggar without condition. If thou knew the doron of God, the gift of God, that which is given to a beggar without condition, from that statement, Jesus removes God from one who focuses on Israel. From that statement. If thou knew the gift of God, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. So from just this discussion, Jesus removes the focus from Israel. If you knew the gift of God, if you know what God gives, and the one who is asking of you, give me. You will have asked of him. He will have given you living water. So, he is reworking the narratives. He moves from a well of water to the spiritual. He is taking all of them from the literal to the spiritual. I'm teaching good here. That's how the Old Testament is taught. He is reworking the narratives. Now, you would have asked... He will have given you living water. That changes the narrative. That changes the thinking. Which again is an unbelief. Thinking of an Old Testament fellow. If you knew the gift of God. I'm sure the woman is looking at him. What is gift of God? What is living water? Then she said, sir. You have nothing to fetch water with. <laughs> She heard him say, gift of God. She heard him say, I will have given you living water. Living? Okay, whatever they mean. But in your hand, there's nothing to fetch water. He's still reworking her mind. He's bringing repentance to her thinking. I'm teaching God tonight. He's bringing what? Repentance to her thinking. Look at verse 13 and 14 of John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Don't forget. They don't have dealings, Jews and Samaritans. Then the next statement. Go and call your husband. Verse 15. Go, John 4, 15. Go, the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come thither to draw. Next verse. Next verse. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband. Go, call thy husband. And come thither. If you know Jesus' mode of ministry, Jesus usually doesn't minister like this. Jesus, you, you can count how many words of knowledge Jesus gave people. It was not his pattern of ministry. You can count them in the four gospels. It was not his usual way. And this for me has a reason. Go and call your husband. Then she said, I have no husband. Eh? I have. And he said unto her, you have well said. Look at verse 17, 18, and 19 of John chapter 4. Please don't, don't lose this narration. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Next verse. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, says thou truly. Next verse. The woman said unto him, Sir, I 
I perceive as I begin to conceive. <laughs> I perceive that thou art a prophet. Verse 19. You are a prophet. Obviously, the essence of what he said was to get her attention. Then she now asks the question in verse 20. Don't miss here. Don't miss here. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Honey, can you see? She is beginning to get the, the message. She is no more sitting with water. She is smarter than many of today's Christians who have been drinking water and are still drinking in 2023. The woman within a few minutes... She has caught the message. She's no more debating about well and water and uh, fetching. She has moved our father's worship. Meaning the rethinking is working. Our father's worship in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Obviously, this discussion was related by Jesus. In fact, what we're reading here was not just eyewitness. It was Jesus that gave the story himself for the eyewitness people to write. So Jesus wanted them to know this story. Notice what she said. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Look at verse 21. You love this. Oh, I tell you, I'm beginning to enjoy this now because I'm getting to really where I was going. Jesus said unto a woman, believe me, the hour comment. When you shall neither in this mountain he has removed Israel as a nation from this whole assumption. When you shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. No more. It's not going to be in this mountain. It's not going to be in Israel. The worship of the Father. <laughs> from our study, the hour coming. Okay, so when he said the hour, what does the hour refer to? Resurrection. Just like he told his mother, woman, my hour has not yet come. Turning water to wine. He's talking about resurrection. That redefined the people of God. That verse 21 is the redefinition of the people of God. You shall neither in Jerusalem nor in this mountain a redefinition of the people of God. That whether it's this one or Jerusalem, in my resurrection, it will be clear to you. Look at verse 22. 22 of John 4. You worship, you know not. Honey, you see that you know not? Circle it. If the Bible, you didn't borrow it from your neighbor. Circle you. You are worshiping. He's telling Jewish people. He is talking to Jewish people, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the flesh. You've been worshipping forever, but you know not what you worship. Now, there's a narrative that is about to be corrected. There's a narrative that is about to be fixed. You worship, you know not what you worship. Soteria, Ecton, Ludion. That's the Greek. Ek means from. This is a key interpretation. That the reason for that nation was to give the Messiah a human descent. Give me that verse 22. That the reason for Israel 
was to create a human descent for the Messiah. You worship, you know not, you know not what? We know what we worship. For salvation is from the Jews. Soteria, Ecton, Ludium. That the reason for the nation of Israel was to give the Messiah a human descent. It's not the nation. The reason is for the Messiah. So Jesus is reworking the whole nation around one person. He's reworking the whole nation around one person. He says salvation is out of. Or the reason for this nation you are referring to is one man. The reason for this nation. You will see later why Paul insisted on using the word seed. Seed. Just one person. They looked, there was no nation. Paul said, look, there was no nation. There was a seed. <laughs> he says, look, if you can have Ishmael and you can have Isaac, that seed is in Isaac. That seed is in Isaac. Then your mind ought to leave a nation, but to a people that are found in Christ. Your mind should move from Israel quickly, literal, to the spiritual, a people that are found in Christ. Paul had a very strong argument. And we will get to brother Paul. We'll get to brother Paul. He says here that the essence of this nation is that Messiah and it has been fulfilled. Yeah. This is the reason. And you will see where Paul got his didache from. This is the reason. Then he said in verse 23 and 24 of John chapter 4. John 4, 20. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. 24. God of spirit. And they that worship him must worship him where? In spirit and in truth. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers. He used the word proskoneo. How many of you remember proskoneo now? He uses the word proskoneo, which is to come before and pay obeisance to. He is saying, it is my resurrection that shows who God is. The hour, you will never know who God is until I rise from the dead. The revelation of who God is will be in my resurrection. The hour cometh. The hour comment when true worshippers. So true worshippers will be my resurrection. Meaning you worship all these years, you know not what. You worship all these years. You assume you knew God, but you were worshiping what you knew not because you don't even know who God is. The true revelation of God will be in my resurrection. Now you begin to see why they stoned Paul and why they tried to stone Jesus. <laughs> he is reworking even the Jews' view of who God is. He is working on the view of the Jews on who God is. It's my resurrection that shows you who God is. 
That's why if you have never had the message of his resurrection, you are not born again. The foundation for Christianity is the resurrection. If what you are hearing is Jesus of Nazareth, nice Jesus, gentle Jesus, make a mild, look upon a little child, pity my simplicity. That is why you are where you are. The foundation of, of Christianity and the foundation of a relationship with God is his resurrection. The hour. Mine hour. In that hour. I've done a teaching on the hour, right? Yes. Now, stay with me. That's why he told them in John chapter 5. You came to say God. Had you ever seen him before? He's telling the Jews. Had you ever heard his voice? They kept quiet. John 5.37. <laughs> Put it up. I love Jesus. And the father, give me from 36, brother. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the father had given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the father has sent me. And the father himself, which has sent me, had borne witness of me. You, Jewish people, have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. You worship, you know not what. Nor seen his shape. Look at verse 38. He, and you have not his word abiding in you for whom he has sent. Him you believe not. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Verse 39. And they are they which testify of me. Verse 40. But you will not come to me. Verse 40. You will not come to me. That you may have life. Hey. That is, you are all relying on the testimony of the prophets. So search the scriptures. Search the prophets. For in the prophets you think you have eternal life. But the prophets are testifying of me as the author of eternal life. And now I'm among you, you don't believe me. How do we even know you read the prophets well? So since you didn't read well, go back and read it. Because if you read it well, you will know who is among you. If you knew the gift of God, the Doron of God. I'm teaching good tonight. That is, if you had read them well, what you are seeing today, you will have believed it. So he's reworking their thinking. This John chapter 4 is the classic, the classic scripture for settling Jewish matters. He said, The hour cometh. Remember when he told them, Mother, my hour has not come. So he takes this attention or their attention from Jerusalem to the spirit. He took their attention from Jerusalem, literal, to the spirit, spiritual. From the temple to the father. He's changing the narratives. That's the didache of Jesus. So in other words, he is saying this nation is going to be born by the spirit. So the essence of the Jew. Or the essence of Israel. Is that sota. 
the soteria ecton lodion. He will come from this nation. That's all. And you will see it as we study. You will see that there was a promise given that God's incarnation in man will come through a faithful guy called Abraham. There was a prophecy. We will see it in the story. That the reason for the, that whole story, the moment you forget that the purpose for Abraham himself is this man, the Messiah, you start concentrating on Abraham and lose focus on Christ. You just stay with Abraham. And be saying, any nation that is not at peace with Israel is under a cause. You are staying with Abraham. You are missing the purpose for Abraham. This is Jesus' argument. And that's how Paul walked around it. So it's funny when people begin to look at Israel like they have a dual purpose. Israel don't have any dual purpose. Their purpose finished when Jesus was born. The purpose is the Messiah. That's all. And the Messiah is not the Messiah of Israel. Mba. He shall save his people. He is the Messiah of the nations. And his people will come from the west. They will come from the east. They will come from all over the world. Teaching good tonight. So Israel becomes elect for the purpose of the incarnation alone. Israel becomes elect for the purpose of the incarnation alone. Again, that elect is a representation. I hope you are learning something tonight. So Jesus interprets Father instead of God. Jesus is not talking God. Jewish people are talking God. So Jesus leaves them with God and changes the narrative to Father, introducing a relationship. God, distance. Father, relationship, intimate. Spirit instead of Jerusalem. All this in the resurrection. So in the resurrection, we shall have Father instead of God. In the resurrection, we shall have Spirit instead of Jerusalem or mountain worship. What has he done? He's reworking God around himself. Jesus is reworking God around himself. Please pay attention because this will help drive down the roots of your persuasion in the message of Christ. Jesus is reworking, he's reworking God around himself. That the God you seek to know, which you sought in Jerusalem, which you've been jumping from one mountain to an, another looking for as Jewish people, the God you've been looking for from one temple to another temple will be found in this hour. Will be known in this hour. Will be discovered in this hour. And that hour is his resurrection. Teaching good tonight. That's why the woman said, uh -uh. Look at that John 4.25. John chapter 4 verse 25. Pay attention. John 4.25. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah's comet, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Next verse. Oh, that discourse is classic, man. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee, I'm he. I that speak unto thee. I'm he. He has reworked God around himself. So in Christ's explanation of scriptures, just like every other subject matter, if he fails to do this, 
every other thing he says becomes a fable. It becomes a motos. We must therefore find God in the Messiah. We must find God where? And the Messiah is this man. That's the promise of the Old Testament. Please follow this. So, our first repentance is to see God where? In Christ. Our first repentance is to see God in Christ. We must walk around, we must walk God around Christ. There mustn't be a distance. There mustn't be a separation. Matthew 22, 29. Matthew chapter 22 verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Who is Jesus talking to here? Jewish people. The Jews. Remember, we are looking at brother Paul's Israel. Is that what we are looking at? Okay, now, look at verse 30 and 31. Matthew 22, 30 and 31. For in the resurrection, in where? The hour. The hour. They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that we, that with that which was spoken unto you by God saying, have you not read it? Next verse. What did I say earlier? That when you see the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, what are we talking about? Eh? Eh? Christ. Christ's resurrection. Now, I am the God of Abraham and the God of, in that hour. Go back to the previous verse, 31. Pay attention now. Verse 31. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Notice the statement resurrection of the dead so that statement is about himself resurrection of the dead now notice verse 32 hey look at this look at this i am the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob god is not the god of the dead so the god of abraham isaac and jacob is the god of resurrection so anytime you see abraham isaac and jacob what is he talking about the resurrection of christ Okay, now, so why is he in continuum? This is representing his resurrection. But they didn't get it. So he told them, you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. So our repentance is in the resurrection. And our repentance in the resurrection is to see God in Christ. See God where? In Christ. In John chapter 10, look at what the issue was. John 10, 30. John 10, 30. And Jesus, John, put it up, brother. What, what's it? I and my father are one. Next verse. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. 32. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these or those works do you stone me? 33, 34, quickly. 
the Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken. And they left him alone for that day. They don't say, leave him alone. Leave him alone. But in John chapter 5, there's a key argument. A very key. Don't miss this. Otherwise, you shouldn't have been in service today. A key argument on the key persecution that they had with Jesus. John 5, 18. John 5, 18. We shall read to 20. But pay attention. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him. Because. Take note of because. He not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father. And Jewish people know that once you say God is your father, you're making yourself equal with God. The moment you say God is my father, what you're saying is I am God. That's the way Jewish people understand it. The moment you say God is my father, what you're saying is I am God. Because that's equality. Pay attention. Next verse. 20. Put it up. Then answered Jesus. Verse 19, sorry. And said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, this also doeth the son likewise. 20 now. For the father loveth the son. And show it him all things that himself do it. And he will show him greater works than these. That you may marvel. Now at this point, Jesus no send. Their argument was, if you call yourself the son, that means everything the father has is in you. And the father also is in you. So that was a major reason why Jesus was accused. Look at Matthew 26, 56. Stay with me. Matthew 26, 56. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Next verse. <laughs> they have escaped. And they that are laid hold on Jesus led him away to Cephas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Next verse. But Peter followed him afar off afar off, unto the high priest palace and went in <laughs> and sat with the servant <laughs> Peter <laughs> to see the end. Next verse. <laughs> now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Look at verse 60. Don't miss this. But found none. Yet, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. <laughs> now look at the accusation. You know, honey, many times when you ask Christians, why did they kill Jesus? He died for our sins. Shh! You are not answering like a well-pastored person. Let me pastor you well now on that one. Say, I hear you. Say, pastor me well.
Why did they kill Jesus? Now follow. If you miss it, you just delete the fact that you came to church today. <laughs> and said, this fellow said, only two false accusers. This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God. And to build it in how many days? Three days. Number one, you are destroying the temple of Jewish people? You should die. Do you know temple? That's a symbol of worship. That's a symbol of a relationship with God. But already in John chapter 4, Jesus has already rendered it useless. You shall neither in Jerusalem headquarter of temple. <laughs> and the only God Jewish people know was temple. Now Jesus said temple, kneel. 62. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer it thou not him. What is it with this witness against thee? Exfast. But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee, as if he's casting out demons, by the living God. I adjure thee by the living God that he didn't even know. Because the living God was standing before him. <laughs> I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ equal with God, the Son of God. Now wait, watch now. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, You have confessed it, because every knee must bow, and every tongue shall confess. You have said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. Eh? This one is heavier than temple. <laughs> sitting on the right hand of power. And coming in the clouds of heaven. Yeah? Now watch 65. 65. Key scripture. Then the high priest rent his clothes. He tore his clothes. Saying he has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold now you have heard his blasphemy. Can you see it? So this is the repentance. Seeing God well in Christ. You know, the one of building the temple, they just left it. You know, if they ask people, why was Jesus killed? The high priest didn't say they killed Jesus for our sins. They killed Jesus for two claims. The temple and that he is the son of, he is God. And he will be coming in the clouds of power. That was the reason they killed him. That was the reason they killed. So the death of Jesus was around the revelation of God in Christ. Which is the cocoa of the gospel. That is what? The cocoa. Somebody say, what is cocoa? It is formed by me on the pulpit right now. That is the gist. That is the crux. That is the core of the gospel. That Jesus is God. That's why I've told you. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, you're not born again. You're not a Christian. Because that is where the robber meets the road. The high priest didn't say for our sins. He said for this claim. So Jesus had to redefine who God is. It was a major reason why he was crucified. Israel couldn't take it. That's why Paul would say to us, that's a scandal. Because they just saw a guy, they know by the law that they are wicked, they are ruthless, and they are sinful. They held Jesus and said, how can you lay claim to being God? And they took him easily. 
easily, cheaply like that. They just carried him. They just took him. Hung him. And it angered them. But that went ahead in revealing God. He kept talking about God even though they were threatening him to kill him. That's why Paul said, when we preach this, the Jews think it's a scandal. Don't say it again because he has viewed God from a wicked heart. The Jewish man views that if it is God, nobody should be able to carry him. The Jewish people impression of God that if it is God, any attempt, thunder will strike you. They believe in a God of terror. God of wickedness. So everything came to the Jews by parables. What he taught was weakness in the Old Testament was God's strength. That's why Paul said, we turn them from Satan to the power of God. That power of God is in Christ's remission of sins. So we are reworking Israel now. Israel in the flesh, not knowing why the nation was formed at all. They didn't get it. It was only to give humanity to Christ. Follow this. So John, upon the resurrection, knew it when he said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Is this Logos that became flesh and dwelt amongst us? Of course, he said that upon the resurrection. He didn't say that in the fourth gospel. He said it in the resurrection. Romans chapter 1 verse 3. Are you getting blessed? Romans chapter 1 verse 3. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Verse 4. Oh, I love this. And declared to be the son of God with power. According to the flesh. The previous verse. According to the flesh. In verse 3. Okay. Verse 3. According made of the seed of David. How? According, which was the purpose of Israel. Fulfilled. By the spirit of holiness with power. By the resurrection from the dead. What has he done? He has shown us God in the resurrection. In weakness and in strength. So the first thing Christ has done, the first marker, did I tell you we are going to look at nine markers? Huh? Yesterday I told you nine markers. So the first marker, the first marker is to see God in Christ. John 5, 37 to 39. That's the first marker in understanding the gospel, in understanding the Old Testament. We see God in Christ. The scriptures testify of me. And you look at Jesus and you get angry. But he's reworking their thinking. That's why when the epistles were written, follow it one by one. Romans 1 7. Look at it. Look at the combination. Romans 1 7. Please stay with me now. I got to move because I'm, I'm almost rounding off. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Pay attention. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God our Father and that is God our Father that is the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.3 God Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. You will always see it used together 
in an inseparable conjunction, you will always see God, our Father, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. They are always used together in an inseparable conjunction. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. They always often, always, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is the Lord Jesus Christ. They always open, often times their letters with that signature. That's the signature of the epistles. Because this is the first marker of the gospel. To see God where? In Christ. Take down these scriptures and read at home. And you can check them by yourself. Galatians 1.1 1, 1, Ephesians 1.3 1, Philippians 1.2 Colossians 1.2 1, 1 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1, 2 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1, it's always there. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. At sundry times, diverse manners, the, the prophets spoke to the fathers. God hath in these last days spoken to us in his son. So God is the one speaking in his son. It's all over the apostolic letters. Because the first marker was that God reworked our thinking about God. God must be found in his son. He must be found in Christ. So you have four words. The Theos, God. The Pater, Father. The Kurios, the Lord. The Oisius, Jesus. Four words. The Theos, Theos for theology. The Theos, God, the Pater, Father, the Kurios, the Lord, the Oisus, Jesus. Four adjectives, titles, and functions. Four adjectives, titles, and functions that are found in one person. Four titles, adjectives, and functions that are found in one person. Theos, the Pater, the curious and the oisius. You will see it repeated. Take the scriptures down. First Timothy 1, 1 and 2. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 4. He said, our God and Savior. Our God which is the Savior. Philemon chapter 3 of Philemon. James 1 1. How do you see James? James, who was the earthly brother of Jesus. The earthly brother. Look at where Revelation came. James called Jesus our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord. He is his brother in the flesh. But right now he has seen him in the prophecy of the prophets. So he calls him our Lord. John says, If you have fellowship with the Father, then you have fellowship with the son. That is fellowship with the father is fellowship with the son. Fellowship with the son is fellowship with the father. First John chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. First John chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. First John chapter 2 verse 22 to 23. Put that one up. I want to read. First John chapter, chapter, chapter 2 verse 22 to 23. Glory to God. Who is a liar? 
It's not a man that say I came when he didn't come. A liar is he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is anti-Christ. So there are many on it. It's not one man that will give you 666. He is anti-Christ that denieth that Jesus is God. See him now. You, you know see him? Eh? He is antichrist that denied the father and the son as one. Next verse. He, whosoever denied the son, the same hath not the father. But he that acknowledged the son hath the father also. So knowing Christ is knowing the father. Are we teaching here? So Jesus is God Almighty. Acknowledge the son, you acknowledge the father. If you deny the son, you deny the father. Inseparable facts of the gospel. Those are inseparable facts. If you have not had them, you have not had the gospel. Those are the inseparable facts of the gospel. Second John chapter 1 is only one chapter. Verse 3, verse 9, verse 10. Put it up for me. Second John 1 verse 3. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and in love. Verse 8. Did I say 8? Verse 9. 9, 9, 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Once you don't know Christ, you don't know God. You don't even have God. The knowledge of Christ is the proof that God is in you. I'm teaching good tonight. Then he says, He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he had both the Father and the Son. Next verse. He, if there are come any unto you by way of TV or radio, <laughs> or by way of crusade, and bring not this doctrine, Receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. Don't welcome him off the radio station. Off the TV. As long as he's not preaching that Jesus is God. Because that's the foundation of what we call the gospel. I'm teaching good tonight. I said I'm teaching good tonight. He who does have this doctrine of the father and son. Don't even bid him farewell. If you like let him not farewell. Jude chapter 1 verse 1 and 4. The same thing, a combination of father and son in one. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to 2. If you read, you will see they state the same facts. Father and son. Father and son. Where are they found? In the spirit. Father and son are a spiritual reality. That the resurrection made available. You are not hearing me. Father and son are found in the spirit. Via the resurrection. So the spirit. Power city pay attention. So the spirit is the father and the son. The spirit is the father and the son. Jesus says you will know that in the resurrection. So, that which in the old covenant was called the Holy Ghost 
or the spirit of the Lord. Jesus in his humanity in the resurrection now says that's the father and the son. The alos paracletos. Holy Ghost is the father and the son or the alos paracletos. We will come and dwell with you. John 14, 23. I and my father will come. Look at it. Look at the combination. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We will come. The father and myself. We will come and make our abode with him. But therein lies a challenge. Israel is not given to multiple gods. Are you now saying that there are two gods? No. Pay attention. What did Israel believe? Is Jesus contradicting Moses? No. The others stayed a bit clear from that. But Paul threw his insight into it. In 1 Corinthians 8. Now watch this fundamental. Paul is in Corinth, a complex nation. Jews and others are there in the discourse on food offered to idols. It's Corinth. You wonder Paul's language. He's talking to a Gentile nation and he says, you were Gentiles. Look at Paul's language. He's talking to Gentiles. He says, you were Gentiles. He has reworked the whole thing just like Jesus did. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 4, 5 and 6. 1 Corinthians 8. Now, as concerning therefore the eating of those, please I beg you pay attention. As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. How many gods? One. Paul is talking. Next verse. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. Next verse. But to us, there is but one God. The Father, one God, are you watching? The Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. So the Father and one Lord Jesus Christ, one God. You see, brother Paul did that change. Just like Jesus. The father. This is brother Paul's magical use of words. He simply helped the Jew to see that what Moses meant. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one God. What does that mean? Stand on your feet. We continue tomorrow. Glory. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one. What does it mean? <laughs> we will carry the journey from Genesis and put it together so that we complete the reworking of this narrative because this is the foundation of what we call the gospel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. 
Hallelujah. Don't your neighbor say, hey neighbor, we have walked throughout this year. We raise men. We preach the gospel. We raise disciples. We shine the light. And we are building strong local churches all over the nations. I'm excited. I'm excited. I have the gospel. I have the good news. I have the message of his resurrection. Christ is risen. He lives in me. Glory to God. Lift your hands and let's thank him for the victory. Just give him thanks. Thank him for what Christ has done. Thank him for revelation. Thank him for opening your understanding. Thank him for bringing you in union with him. Thank you, Father. I'd like you to grab your neighbor. Let's pray for one another. I'm labor shocker. You're strengthened with might. You will do ministry. You will preach the word. In and out of season, you will do exploits. You have boldness to declare the gospel of Christ. To make known the mystery of Christ. You are a steward of the mysteries of God. Pray for somebody. Pray for somebody. You are baptized with boldness. You are baptized with boldness. You preach the word with boldness. You are kept by the power of God. You walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You are fruitful unto every good worker. You have the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Delivered from wicked and reasonable men. The testimony of Jesus is found in your mouth who are kept by the power of God ready to be revealed together we bulldoze nations we break frontiers we advance the kingdom of God we enlarge the coast of the kingdom we bring to bear the influence of the gospel agaratonaka men that sit in darkness they see great light angelerebosaka an outpouring of the spirit upon sons and daughters lekratosakaya all over the nations the gospel is preached the gospel is not hindered i declare that there is liberty the gospel has freedom in the hearts of men and women all over the nations we cast down imagination we bring every thought under subjection to the obedience of christ we decree that the message of christ is received that the gospel that the message which we have is accepted of the nations of the saints and of those that do not believe that the message of Christ is glorified as even as it is with us Lose that and look for somebody else. Look for somebody and prophesy to the person. Speak by the spirit to your neighbor now. Speak by the spirit. Prophesy. Speak the word of the Lord over your neighbor. Speak by the utterance of the spirit. Speak by the utterance of the spirit. We speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual cause. The word of the Lord has free course in the nations. The word of the Lord has free course in the hearts of men. 
Amen. The word of the Lord has free course all over Africa, all over the Americas, all over Europe, all over Asia. The word of the Lord has free course and is glorified. Men and women embrace the gospel. Platforms open up for us to proclaim this truth. Platforms. We call for platforms. We call for platforms. We declare that the gospel in our mouth is amplified. Men that sit in darkness, they see great light. We preach this message. Barriers collapse. Obstacles collapse. Obstacles collapse. Opposition gives way. We preach the gospel in much assurance. We preach the gospel in faith. We preach the gospel with confidence. We preach the gospel with boldness. We preach the gospel with a persuasion. We declare that the testimony of Jesus is found in our mouth. The nations are opening. Our communities are opening. We preach the gospel in and out of season. We preach the gospel in and out of season. Hearts of men are becoming the, the, the dwelling place of God. Men and women that sit in darkness. The gospel is preached to them. You can leave your neighbor now. Pray for yourself. Speak over yourself. Speak over yourself. Speak over yourself. I am strong. I am healthy. Throughout this year, I attend to the word of God. I incline my ears to his sayings. I do not let the word depart from my heart. I keep them in the midst of my heart. I do not let them depart from my eyes. For they are life to me. They are held to all my flesh. The word of the Lord is held to my body. My body cooperates with the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is held to my body. My bones, my heart, my liver, my flesh, my skin, my joints, my tendons, my tissues, my marrow responds to the word of God. I run, I'm not weary. I walk, I'm not faint. My body is an instrument of ministry. I am bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my spirit and in my body, which are God's. I keep myself in the love of God. The Lord keepeth me, and the wicked one toucheth me not. He reproved kings for their sake. He suffered no man to do them wrong, saying, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. I walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I am fruitful this year. Declare thou that thou 
thou mayest be justified. Even God, who quickened the dead, calling the things that be not, as though they were, I call forth this year. Platforms and doors of ministry. In the nations, no nation is closed. Every closed nation, lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and let the King of Glory come in. Doors be lifted. Let the righteous come in. Doors be lifted. Doors of ministry. Doors of nations. Doors of the hearts of men. Open up. Oh, we preach the gospel. We preach the message of his resurrection. We are the light of the world. We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Our light shall not be put under a bed. We are We stand on the mountain top and we shine the light to the nations. We stand upon a hill that cannot be hid. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Lift your hands and begin to give them praise. This is the confidence we have. Begin to thank him for answered prayer. Begin to thank him for light in the nations. 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 Brosakaladabas. Let there be light shining out of darkness. Let there be light shining out of darkness. Let there be light. We are in God's new creation. Oh Lord, let there be light. Let there be light shining in the nations. Let there be light. Shining out of darkness, let there be light. We are in God's new creation. Oh, everywhere around the world, light be, light be, light be, light be. Mazagadagada. Mazagadagada, Mazagadagada, Elebado Gada Gada, Elebado Gada Bada, Membragada, 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 Light Be Sebayana, men that sit in darkness, the secret light. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Iobozakaya, Iobozokaba, Iobozokaba. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. The light is shining in the nations. This gospel is preached. This gospel is preached. The gospel of the Father and the Son is preached. In the nations. Glory to God. What a blessing tonight. Can we have a victory shout in this house? Glory! Glory! 
Glory! The army is rising. In every nook and corner around the world, the army is rising. I didn't hear a good amen. Tomorrow, 5.30, the doors are open. 6 p.m., we begin to excavate. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Kabayada. I want to thank all of you partners that are responding to partner with us. Much more work this year. Therefore, much more resources. Money coming to us. I want to thank all of you. And if you are here to respond as the Spirit of God ministers and steers you up, take a position. Be in the center of the will of God. Be in the center of what God is doing this year as we advance the cause of Christ. Remember, only what you do for God, only what you do for Christ will last. Nothing else. So you want to partner with us. If you are here to respond, the email should come to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. We have two givings. Number one, monthly partnership for the year. And then number two, one-time commitment to help us with our first budget of the year by the end of this month. We love you and we thank you. All those who have responded, great grace upon you. I didn't hear a good amen. amen. Grab a good offering. Let's give tonight as we go home. Lekatobagash. Lekatobagash. A good offering as we honor Christ. Zikotogodogos. Zikotogodogos. Megalatabash. Thank you, Father. Father, we rejoice. We give in faith. Thank you for the privilege to honor your word. Our offerings are a sweet smell before you today. In Jesus' name we pray. I didn't hear your good amen. amen. Online, the banking details are on the screen, television, and all the various platforms. But we love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your evenings. And remember, we're fasting till the morning. Prayer goes on at 5 a.m. Go spend the night listening to the things we have taught. If you didn't understand the beginning of this teaching, go back and listen again. Now you will see everything fall in place. Here I hear you. Be blessed. Drop your offerings anywhere on the pulpit and good night. Praise God. We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com.
This is Kingdom.